and welcome to my podcast, Blurt It Baby. In this podcast, I talk to some of my closest friends about their real, real experience of motherhood and what to actually expect. Because I think we all know real talk for real mums is a little bit of a cliche line and to be honest, to actually go there, it's not that easy. We all know that having a baby is a true blessing, but what I've learned from my friends is how hard it is for them to be that honest in front of other people without people thinking they don't love their baby. So for their sake, what I wanted to do is create a little bubble where they can reflect on their own journey of mumhood without being judged. The good, the bad, the ugly. So in this episode, I'm really excited. I'm going to talk to um, my close friend Aileen. Now we worked together back when I was doing the Heat Breakfast show um, and you read the news on my breakfast show and you had literally just come back off mat leave and we literally just hit it off straight away. I had. I think I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> uh, I think it was like whenever you see anyone at half four slash five in the morning, it's a very difficult time to be sociable and friendly. But we just it was like catching up with a friend at 11 a.m. in like a coffee shop. It was just so lovely having you part of the show. And, you, and Aileen is still obviously a newsreader. Um, on the Kiss FM breakfast show. Also has two beautiful babies. I say, I say babies, Edie is four, and we literally were just talking about her going to school in September, which is madness. I know. Four, going on 14, for That's sure. True, yep. Um, and then Thora, the beautiful Thora, is one. Literally a mini you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but- thank goodness time the other one looked like <laughs> yeah the other one is obviously Ian who is your who is your husband and then Thora is all you um but it's crazy because yeah we we met just after you finished your mat leave with Edie um so now it just feels nuts that she's going to school actually it feels really like that has gone super super quick uh, what I loved about you instantly and why, why I had to have you on my podcast is because even though we kind of knew each other because media is so small isn't it so everybody knows each other in the media world but as soon as um we met and we were there at 5am in the studio you were so open about your experiences and how it was for maternity because it was very interesting to me for someone who you know obviously I'm pregnant now but I hadn't had a baby and I was really intrigued and what I loved is you were so so super honest about everything um, so I'll start from the beginning. We'll start with the birth because with Edie, you were breech and you had to have a C-section. Um, how was your? How was? How did you find the recovery from the C-section? Well, before the recovery, I have to probably talk about the bit where I found out she was breech because that's right. Of course, that's why you had I a C-section. Had no idea. I did the NCT, and you know, every week there was a lot of chat about what position the baby was in, and I just kind of said oh yeah, yeah, I can feel her kicking and da, 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 da. And a couple of the other mums were saying that they thought their babies were breech and I was nodding along like, oh no, oh dear, oh no, you're going to have to have a C-section, oh, that's awful. All the while thinking, that doesn't, that's not me. Um, and then I had to go for a growth scan at 39 weeks because they measure your bump, don't they, with a tape measure. Yeah. And all the measurements were just a bit weird. Like they should have been plotting a curve, but it just didn't add up. So they, they just sort of said, let's go and do a growth scan, see what's going on. And as soon as she put the thing on my bump, she went, well, baby's breech. I mean, I did not handle it well. I burst into tears. 
Why was it so, and I know I can understand it, but I just want to hear it out loud. Why was it so awful for you that they were like, you're having a C-section? Because I think with your first baby, the only sort of thing you have is you can talk to your friends and only really kind of one of my friends had a baby already and she'd had a a natural delivery. So, you know, I sort of was aiming for that. Um, But I'd done the hypnobirthing. I had, I mean, I am somebody who will just read the internet on something. If I want to know about it, I'll just research and take it all in. And not one bit of me planned for a C-section. When they talked about it in NCT, I was like tuning out it's not I don't that's irrelevant uh, I'm gonna have a, an amazing water hypnobirth you know like <laughs> I won't even feel any pain oh natural yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah and and it just at 39 weeks to, to get that told that I wasn't gonna have that it just hit me like a truck like it was yeah. just not all what I was expecting um honestly I cried for about two days it was looking back utterly ridiculous well that's what i was going to say actually look look because uh, there must be so if you felt like that there must be so many people that did and i know with my sister having a c-section she talked um about how she felt like in the nct groups as well that it was seen as like the worst case scenario and you almost felt like a bit of a failure but looking back now that you've had that and you've learned so much since that would you say to other people and would you feel totally different that that's that's not the worst Totally case? different. I had an amazing experience um, having ED. It was incredible. Once I'd cried for two days, I sort of, you know, told myself to like, suck it up, this is happening. Um, you know, I went in, I, I knew when I was going in, yeah. so that was brilliant. And then uh, there was a lot of waiting around, but I mean, you know, that's just kind of how it works obviously it was scary it's major surgery you know it's it's frightening but it's so bizarre because you you know in you know a couple of hours you're gonna meet your baby yeah it's not gonna be like there's there's no the certainty of it was just lovely and then um it was scary you know it was scary going into theater because you know I've always I've never had to go to an operating theater before you know luckily and touch wood I won't have to go to one again but you know, it was nerve-wracking. But as soon as they sort of um, did the, um, you know, uh, what you call it, like numb you all, I mean, it's hilarious because you think, oh, what if they don't do it properly? What if, what if I can still feel I it? I mean, that's oh. your fear in all kind of operations still to this day, isn't it? That you're like, what if I wake up? Like, they don't know I, I know. I know that I definitely can't feel it? And yeah. they're just like, you will know. <laughs> and it's true. Anyway, it was amazing. It was beautiful. I had Ian um, at my head. They lifted her up, made some joke about her looking like some sort of alien from Doctor Who, which was a bit out of order, but anyway. Um, <laughs> she was, And there she was. And they gave her and they put her onto me and I still have the skin to skin. You know, the recovery was amazing. It was so, it was totally fine. I breastfed straight away, like an hour later, like, you know, within an hour of her yeah. being born because some people worry that it might not work out and it might not work out if you have a c-section but it might not work out anyway exactly so do, do you think in that sense and um, because it's it's not just you that have said this do you feel like there should be more on the fact that you know it's fine if you have a c-section that is not 
necessarily a bad thing to totally because I so at the, at the time I did I felt like a failure like it's, I knew that was ridiculous but obviously you've got all the hormones and when um, so in the NCT there were eight of us and you know I was one of the sort of earlier ones that had the baby um, but then when you would then hear of someone else in NCT who had had their perfect water birth and I say perfect water birth because come on it's no walk in the park no matter what you do of course but my opinion I'd already failed and had this c-section and you know it did hurt it stung and when any ever you know even uh, I'll get obviously get to it in a minute but even up until I had Thora I would still get a bit of a pang of jealousy when somebody had a baby and they hadn't had to have a c-section even if they'd had like you know a horrible experience I was still jealous that I had not had that which is ridiculous but I think it's I think it's natural. Some people say, oh, you didn't have a natural birth. And that's just, I mean, of course it's natural, it's birth. Yeah, I think that's actually very true. Is It's like, like you even said, when you were first in NCT, there's that kind of... Um, there's that general feeling of everyone going, oh, what a shame you have to have yes, a C-section. And it's that language that you have to... Because to me, actually, I mean, naively as well, I've not started NCT, but... Um, it doesn't matter to me because you could that what's quite you know quite nice of, of what I'm reading now is more how you can have a really positive c-section and so it just doesn't bother me at all but it's a shame that like I suppose that's how you felt before but it's really lovely to hear that you don't feel like that now you're like no that Not was ridiculous all. it was a positive experience you know and I think a lot of people now have started to refer to it as instead of calling it a c-section or, or whatever I mean, you can call it what you want but I've heard people calling it abdominal birth which I think is a much better description because you are still giving birth and it's not easy and I've done it both ways now yeah. and neither one of them are a walk in the park I know I think that's I think that's really good to hear because I know my sister was affected a while, a long time after you know especially even when people would be like well done on the pushing and, oh, yeah. and could take that quite personally. So um, yeah. I think it's important that you you were like, no, that's, that wasn't the right way to think. But, you know, you can't help it. Even when, you know, I put the picture up on Facebook, it was a lovely photo of me um, holding Edie and Ian as well, because obviously we were all in our, like, you know, surgical gear or whatever. And um, a friend of mine um, messaged me. And I hadn't, I didn't obviously put on Facebook, oh, I've had a C-section. Yeah. <laughs> it's the baby, she's here. Um, and then someone messaged me like, did you have a C-section? Oh. <laughs> and I just thought, oh. And I felt like I had to almost, like, justify it, you know? Yeah, so did, wrong. But yeah. It wasn't my decision. Like, oh, I had no choice. By the way, I did have a choice. I could have gone to try and deliver her feet first. I just sort of said, thank you <laughs> <laughs> wise move wise move no it's it's good to you know because you're so right birth is birth please don't look at it in, in any other way but then you actually did go on to you know um is it a v-back isn't it it's a, it's a v-back, v-back. Yeah. vaginal birth after cesarean so once you've had a c-section you have, you go under the consultant and you know you kind of have to argue your case for wanting to, to go for the VBAC delivery and but again like I read everything I joined this excellent Facebook group as well um this VBAC support group and I didn't necessarily post on it but I read a lot yeah and also yeah I remember um because we were working together at the time 
you actually went to to sessions and classes at the hospital yes they made you go to like a session and um, where you discussed your options basically and, and to be honest if you have a c-section when you get to your next baby if you have another one it's your choice i mean it's always your choice um and some people found consultants would sort of err on the side of caution um because obviously with an elective c-section it's, it's very controlled you know if there's any doubt that maybe the baby's on the large side or i don't know like yeah it's 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 really nice to know that you can avoid all that trauma especially somebody who's had um a traumatic birth and then an emergency c-section the first time you know it makes so much sense to go for an elective but i went in there absolutely guns blazing i was like i knew what i wanted i knew what i didn't want and i just fought for it and i think i probably went a bit too hard i think the consultant was just laughing almost because he was like yeah it's fine i'm not gonna stop you yeah i think that's Um, important to also stress that a lot of people forget, and um, we had my friend Anna, who was a midwife, on um, last episode. And a lot of people, including myself, you don't realise your your rights that you totally. have. And so if you do do your research, not saying that you should ever, like, poo-poo medical advice or anything like that, you know, well, I mean, I personally wouldn't. But um, you do have a choice and if you have the informed knowledge and stuff, which she was saying, then you can make that choice. That's it. I completely agree. And, you know, I'm not, in my experience, there were a few, you know, I saw sort of, and I'm not knocking them, but I saw like the registrar one week and he was just like, right, well, we'll book you in for a C-section. And I was like, uh, no, you won't. I really want to give this a go. And he was a bit like, hmm. And he really, really was not very positive. And um, you can remember, actually, when I came into work upset about that, you know. Yeah. And then I demanded to see the actual, his boss, the proper top consultant. And I just said, and then and when I went back for that appointment, this registrar came back in and I was sweating. I was so stressed. I just went, I don't want to see you. And I, wow. I made him go away and I said I want to see uh, Mr um, whatever his name was and I had to wait about 40 minutes and I hate confrontation I hate that I had to say to this doctor go away I don't want to see you but I didn't and, and I knew it. it was I had to make that choice and I'm so glad I did because I felt so much better yeah and he just hadn't had the training you know he just didn't know enough about it and that's really amazing that you know like you say you don't like confrontation um I know you're confident but you're not like you're the same as everybody else but what's really interesting as well as what um Anna the midwife was saying last week is that if you aren't happy with the care that you've received or that person you can order to to go and see somebody else or change that and that's exactly what you did and you said you're glad that you did which is amazing I'm so glad I did and I did have my VBAC with Laura and it was hard work and it was really difficult and there were times where I thought you absolute wally you could have just had a c-section again not a walk in the park but at the time it did feel like this was harder um and but you know my birth with Laura was it was absolutely brilliant and as much as Edie's was an incredible experience, I cannot tell you how healed all of... I mean, she healed things I didn't know needed healing. Yeah. The moment she arrived. That was... Um, I, I'll never forget coming to see um, you with Thora on your mat leave, and she must have been, you know, um, a couple of months, if that. 
and you said um, you felt complete, like you hadn't felt like that before. And it wasn't anything to do with Edie, it was just your feeling. And yeah. and it gets me up really nicely onto, um, I know there was a big difference in, obviously, like I've just said, how you felt with each baby. Why do you feel like that? Because I know a lot of other people say that. Is it, do you think, down to a confidence? I think so. When I, when I was handed little Edie, um, you know, obviously amazing little baby she was so cute but she had you know she had colic but I didn't know what that was and she was out again NCT look I love NCT I've made like four of the you know there was a little group of four that sort of stayed in touch and we are so close um you know but at the time it was like everyone else seemed to be going out having roast dinners and going for walks and I was just at home with this poor baby who just seemed in pain all the time and honestly any new mum who has a baby with colic it's so hard because they're not happy and one of my NCT friends like god love her but she said to me that her baby cried less than once a day (laughs) (laughs) it's just not what you need to hear I always think like I'm not I don't encourage like lying, but there are certain situations where I'm like, just lie. Just lie. Just lie. I know. Yeah, lie about it. <laughs> but you know, I just and I just thought, oh, it's me. It's because I'm so you know, I'm not very. And loads of people were telling me I was smashing it, and you know, I probably was on the outside, but it was really hard. It got to about week sort of nine, ten, eleven. And it just wasn't stopping the the crying, you know. It wasn't the sleep. I mean, the breastfeeding was really, really hard, but I persevered and I got through the pain because it was really painful for me. I know it doesn't hurt everyone, but it was like absolute razor blades. Um, But this crying just wasn't stopping. Do you feel like um, you wish you knew more? Because, I, you know, I was speaking to another friend who hasn't been on the podcast, but she's just had her baby. And she did say she wished that there had been more information beforehand about stuff like colic and reflux and all these things that can yeah. you're not prepared for after birth. Do you wish that there was more on that kind of thing so it wasn't just like a self-discovery of why is she crying all yeah, the time? Yeah, I think it was just, it's almost like just a sentence. Oh, and yeah, babies sometimes get colic, which is when they're in pain, when, you know, or, you know, or it could have been reflux or something like that. Thank goodness she didn't have reflux, which is a whole different ballgame. It's really hard. But um, I just think with most of it, I, I did do a lot of comparing um, and worrying that I wasn't as happy as everyone else and wasn't going, like I said, for all these roast dinners. And, yeah. you know, in fact, actually me and my husband were just taking it in turns to hold this poor crying baby, struggling with the laundry. Um, you know, she was born in um, May 2016 and, and June 2016, it just rained every day. Like it was just, it was miserable. And it was really, really like, I mean, God, I'm not, if Edie was to grow up and listen to this, I would never want her to think I wasn't no, happy. No, but it's, I, was, it I was think hard. what's important and is the fact that, and I remember, I remember being in conversations with you, you would compare yourself to other mums, which is the worst thing you can do. And yeah. I suppose what I'm trying to say is, how do you not do that? Like, if you were to, if you like went back to, you know, if you could talk to yourself again, after just having Edie, what would you say to yourself or another mum in that sim- similar situation who is comparing themselves to other mums? I think just, you know, tell myself I was doing an amazing job. Like, I, do you know what I would have done? I would have sat on the sofa for longer watching TV yeah. and I would and not felt guilty 
if all I'd done that day was watch like four episodes of Breaking Bad. That's that's what I would, would tell myself. Yeah. I would say, don't you have to go out and be swanning around with your bugaboo and your little belly bee. And, <laughs> you know, because I did take her to London when I was eight weeks old. I lived in Surrey and I took her to London in the sling eight weeks old. <laughs> I think that, that's, that is mad <laughs> when you think about it. But in your head, you're there. You know, you, you, you're comparing yourself to everybody else, thinking everybody's out with their babies. And so you get up and go. And something Sophie, my sister, said, who I always used to compare you guys when you used to talk about ED, because I was like, wow, like, you guys need to meet. You're so similar. But that's the, the funny thing, and that's why I did the podcast, is that no one really talks about it. But the fact is, she had said, I wish I had just sat down on the couch and not tried to do too much. That's what I... And she was like, that's my main bit of advice is, is, you know, some people are like, just get up, get dressed. And she's like, no, don't do that if you don't want to do that. I mean, have a shower if you want to. That did used to help make me feel better if I had a shower. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, I always encourage showering. (laughs) I do encourage (laughs) keeping clean. Especially with the night breastfeeding sweats. My goodness, (laughs) those are something else. But, um, yeah, but then, like, get yourself a good Netflix series. With So, with Thora, I absolutely smash all of Suits from the beginning to the end. And I will always remember that that's what I did. Why do you feel like it was easier with Thora? Do you think because you were prepared and you were like you know what I'm not going to go out or had the comparing with other mums stopped it had totally stopped I didn't I the only person I compared myself to was former me who I just thought I'm actually really proud of you that you are now this person yeah <laughs> you know? that's so lovely it does help though that Thora was unbelievably chilled but my mum always said like it's because you are chilled I'm not saying it is always that simple, but of course, with your first baby, you're not going to be as relaxed. You're going to be like, just panicked that, you know, they will cease to exist for no reason. You know, you just worry. But with Thora, I was just like, here she is. I know what I'm doing. I've got this. I am. This is okay. She was very compliant as well, don't forget. Um, But also, I had a bit of structure to my day whereby Edie was in nursery until one o'clock in the afternoon. So those mornings were mine and Thora's. And Originally, I said, I'm going to go out every day. I'm going to get my thing done in the morning. We'll go to a national trust. We'll do this. We'll meet a friend for coffee. And then I'll have Edie in the afternoon. And then we won't, you know, we'll just have a quiet afternoon. But actually, what I did in reality was have a quiet morning with Thora because I knew I'd never get that time back. Do you wish in your head, um, I know you shouldn't look at things as upon regret because you learn from them, but do you wish you had done a little bit more of that with Edie? I think so. I think I put a bit too much pressure on myself to go out and have everybody say, wow, look at her. She's only had a baby eight weeks ago and she's doing this and oh look at her it's so impressive I can't believe you're out and about and you know I sort of would get off on that you know oh yes check me out I'm I'm doing all this stuff but who is that proving anything to yeah that I think that's but the thing is though that's I think a lot of people do feel like that like even me you know um thinking about what I'll be like on mat leave I've learned so much from you guys that like my close friends and I'm trying to remember that you know it's okay to do that because you, you it's like the c-section thing uh, you know you always think like oh no that doesn't reply, apply to me because I know I know that how things are going to go so uh, I'm not going to listen to that I'm not going to read that section because that's not me and I think it's really important to be like everybody is in the same boat so every every 
woman is obviously different in their experience but I think it's take the pressure off yourself you know definitely and just just enjoy them and also what was lovely about what you said is you'll never get that time back with Thora no and it, I haven't known regrets at all for all those hours I spent watching suits right. I, I, and they look were, how they quickly were it's gone look how quickly it's so gone quickly. like you know you're back at work now which it feels like I, I went to see her like yesterday so that's just crazy <laughs> um but Something you were saying about how you you wanted to like you know almost prove that you were out there at eight weeks leads me on to my next point, which we've not spoken about on any other podcast, which is so relevant to you because I you know obviously working with you and in the same industry is going back to work. And the thing is about you know we work in media, it's quite cutthroat, and it's most jobs you know are very career driven. You know I'm not saying that at all. But there's almost like a very particular path when you start in media, you start in work experience. And it sounds awful to say, but you are constantly watching your back slightly. And anybody in media will will know that, even though you can love your job and enjoy it and the people that you work with are just lovely. You've still got that, you know, if I'm not there, someone's going to take my job or this and that. So do you think um how you were with Edie and how you were on your mat leave because we're going to talk about you returning to work was you know something to do with actually you've been in quite a high powered getting up at this time every morning working since you were like a teenager in this industry as a newsreader do you think that affected you when you had the baby like learning to kind of relax and not having to do a thousand things a day I think I never forgot about work with UD I was always thinking about it like you say it's a very it's a very competitive and it's it's a hardcore industry to be in um and I I dreaded it going back and I just in fact actually that is probably one of my biggest regrets with my first maternity leave is I spent so long dreading going back why were you dreading what were you so you couldn't switch off from work which is understandable if you you know some people obviously are like oh my word I can't wait to switch off from work and some people like dipping in and out of their work but why did you dread going back was it because you felt like you had gone backwards in your career or that you just were nervous I think I just felt really nervous that I um, wasn't going to be able to devote the brain space and power to doing my job you know and doing a good job at it I was so worried and I was worried obviously about leaving ED because I lived in Surrey I worked in London um, so it was a big commute and she was going to have to go to nursery Um, hardly any of my NCT friends put their babies in nursery at that age especially eight months she started yeah um for to stay off any longer that was another difficult thing because you know a lot of them could could afford just those extra couple of um months maybe and I found I found that really really hard and I felt like I was just being wrenched away from my baby did you feel did you feel guilty or did you feel like no this is a it has to happen I didn't feel guilty because I knew that there was nothing that could be done. It was like being dragged towards that gaping hole of work. But I knew it wasn't really my choice because I had I had to go back to work. So there wasn't I couldn't make I didn't feel guilty because I knew that I wasn't consciously choosing to not be with her. I had to go back to work. Um, I was very worried about the nursery fees, but um, that was all right in the end. 
but I just found... I mean, I they just, still shock me, but... Don't even. <laughs> That's another one for another day. But it's... It, yeah, I just... I dreaded it so much. And I think because I spent so much time dreading it and building it up to be this horrendous thing, um, that I was just not in a good frame of mind when it came to it. And I think when I went back... Um, I just had no sense of like self. I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what to talk about with people. Yeah. Um, when you go on maternity leave, you know, the first time everyone gave, gave me a lovely send off, you know, it was all like, have a wonderful time, you know, we'll keep in touch, can't wait to see you. And But, you know, life goes on when you're off. Of course. And oh, it's lovely to get that send off, but then you don't get it when you come back, you know. The, everyone was obviously like nice to me but it I just felt like I just felt invisible I didn't I was so uptight I didn't know what to say I, I couldn't fit in with their conversations um I felt like I was just a mum which is obviously ridiculous because being a mum is amazing um and I just felt like I don't know why I'm here and I had I didn't even know if I was any good at my job anymore I just didn't know Did I was you, so um... low- did you talk to anybody at work? I know we talked about it, but we 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 have to stress that ours is gossip. You know, like I would say my bit, you yeah. say your bit, and then we talk about other things. Like, do you think now looking back, you wish you had been open with someone from your team? Or I think radio is quite a lonely job sometimes. You know, I didn't really have much of a team around me, to be honest. But I think. I think what I did do is I projected my feelings in the wrong direction and I sort of manifested things that I thought were happening that weren't and maybe just took it really, took, just took things really badly, was very sensitive about things where I should have just, you know, not been and I should have just tried to maybe separate work from home um, and just kind of cracked on. I think looking back, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But at the time, I was desperately unhappy. I really wasn't happy. Well, do you think but, it was your own confidence? Um, yeah. Because there was obviously, there was nothing, you know, your ability in your job was brilliant. Like, you were good at it. It was the same. Yeah, it was, it was exactly you know, the same, if not better. Because sometimes a break does everybody good. But it's a hard one because you don't think about somebody going back after that time. It's really interesting that you brought it up with me, like because I, you just don't think about it. But if you were to again have a conversation with yourself um, back then, before you started work, what would you say to yourself so it wasn't that bad? I think I'd probably just try to tell myself to try and just enjoy it a bit. You know, it is lovely having a baby, but it is nice to have a break. And I should have probably just seen it and more embraced that time on my own um away from from home and then the baby but instead I just I was a bit you know I was just I was quite negative about it really and and I think I also felt like I didn't want to talk too much about you know the baby at work just in case everyone was like oh you're just going on about baby all the time you know because you know we, we a lot of people were a fair bit younger than me and, and wouldn't have had me any children but they're still you know they're still interested of but. course I, I it's funny that you say that now because I think did you feel like you know almost like it's like a first day at school and you're trying to fit in and you think I remember going to uh, uni actually and thinking like right to make friends and to be really popular, I'm gonna, I'm like gonna say the word babe all the time, and like you know, you like <laughs> think of like ways to think. How oh, should I, I make my personality? I definitely started like looking up sort of you know 
cool trainers <laughs> because <laughs> the office I work, worked in at the time they all had really cool trainers yeah that's I mean, true really even cool. I didn't have like, cool footwear no so it was that kind of thing I, I I think I probably did feel like I wasn't I was trying I had to be cool oh, it was just, you know I look back and I just think no that was really silly you didn't need to I think in hindsight it's you should you could have just it's funny because I was uh, not until I got to know you you know much better because obviously you were back from that leave and then we worked together uh, a little bit after and I would never ever have known you had felt like that at all until I spoke to you because to me I was like oh they're cool newsreaders back and that's the problem isn't it it's it's a shame how you see yourself being so different to how other people see you and I think that's the other thing is if people think you're absolutely fine they're not going to be like are you all right you know yeah so nobody did really ask me if I was all right um and I think maybe that's something that you know a friend of mine he, he manages manages somebody who's coming back from that leave and he said anything I can do to help her return and I just said just ask her if she's all right just ask her how the baby is, if yeah. it's like had a nursery today, you know, and I think, and that's not a criticism of anyone around me, but I think I, I just would have loved it if someone had maybe sort of, if there'd been a bit more of that, yeah. maybe from, you know, it, it, it's, it's even funny if you're, Even if you're listening to this and you, you know, like a colleague's just come back from mat leave and it's busy at work and you just carry on with your daily life, I think it's nice now to think, you know, I would be certainly more aware of anybody making such a change in their life because you just think oh they're back from work let's get on with it but actually that's really important Mm -hmm. to say that you know just take them out for a coffee see how they're doing or um ask about the baby because of that because also what I think you try to do is come back and you know nothing's changed I'm normal and that added stress to you when actually you know you had changed because coming on to Thora when you came back after having like a lovely mat leave you were so relaxed and confident you felt untouchable when you came back to work after Thora I did I really really did and I think the main thing probably looking back is that when I, I came back with ED I just wasn't ready I mentally was in a not a good place to come back and um you know it was just I wasn't I just wasn't ready whereas when I came back with Thora I mean you're never ready to leave your baby are you but I was okay and I um you know I had the confidence to know that Edie had loved nursery and had a brilliant time and I could make it work with the time you know she was at nursery and I could rush back on the train and pick her up and it's always it was such a rush but I managed it and I knew I could manage it so I had that confidence but yeah when it came to the actual job I just honestly like I just walked straight back in and I I think I had been a little bit I had been open with my manager about how I'd felt the first time around and they made sure that I was more included I think and not they were, I was never not included yeah but just they were aware they were just aware they, of how you felt I, yeah they knew that I really needed you know I was a bit needy I needed to have more involvement yeah. in, in the wider team and stuff like that and but I think that's I really think, important to say to you know anybody who is kind of thinking and worrying about coming back 
to mat leave and, and getting a little bit lost like you can feel a bit sieved out sometimes you know even yeah. I remember going on a two-week holiday and coming back and you'd be like I'm here guys <laughs> I'm back <laughs> where's the party because you just you felt like you know you all miss me right you all needed me and so yeah. I think you're right with and that's a two-week holiday I mean that's pathetic but if um you know you have been off for nine to months to a year I think it is important to you know explain to your manager before what would help you kind of slot back in or um for yeah, other members to be definitely. aware of definitely it's sad leaving them and putting them in nursery but the transition from maternity leave back to work was so much smoother and you know that is partly down to I had a bit more support at work maybe but I think mostly it's got to have been down to to me and like my mental state and you know the, the way I felt yeah And I think, like you said with Thora, you gave yourself that time. So it sounds like with Edie, you put so much pressure on yourself that within a blink of an eye, your mat leaves over. And then you're not ready. That is exactly it. And then with Thora, you gave yourself that time, which is really, you know, which for me now, I'm already like, take a mental note, get a Netflix series and just relax. Like, don't, (laughs) you know, and it's obviously all easier said than done, but it's, it is really helpful to hear that kind of, you know, honesty before um before i let you go there is something else that um we haven't discussed on any other podcast and i think it's really really important and i remember you telling me about it actually when we worked together because i had no idea that you would possibly feel like this or be emotional about something like this but it's you were really affected when you finally stopped breastfeeding ed yeah i think the breastfeeding thing as well when I came back to work was really really difficult because she was still I was still feeding her um like three four times a day so when I went back to work both with both babies so we we both worked on the breakfast shift so you know I, I was getting up at three forty-five and sitting on the sofa pumping <laughs> because I wanted to be able to leave the milk for her um and then I would feed her when I got home and then feed her again at bed and so I, I worked so hard. I'm not saying I deserve a medal or anything, but it was my choice. I, I wanted to keep going. Um, it knackered me. Everyone told me I was mental for doing it. But did Everybody. you did you feel like you wanted... Why did you feel like you wanted to keep going? Was that something where you're like a, a personal choice of I'm just not ready? Both. I think it was personal choice. I'd, I, I'd, I'd, I, it was going really well. Um, once you get over, if, if, if you manage to get over the first kind of hurdle, a lot, a lot of people, you know, if it, is, if it does work out for you and you're you're happy with it, then it's it's really nice. You know, it doesn't unfortunately work out for everybody. With me, yeah. I'm, I'm. It's not. There's nothing I did to make it work out. It just it did. But it's um, really lovely. Really lovely. I loved it and get to that um, point where you loved it and just didn't want to stop and yeah so I guess being able to breastfeed her I suppose still was something that links back to me even though I'd gone to work I can still do this for you Um, and I kept going with her until she was 18 months and yes I do remember coming to because when when you breastfeed them for the last time it's you never know when that last time is necessarily going to be is it their decision almost that I mean I might suddenly leave I know it can be I mean I didn't know how it was going to work out and I had been thinking you know she's 18 months and she's a bit bitey and maybe you know I did (laughs) but again no judgment but I didn't personally want her to be saying anything like 
boobie. Yeah, you didn't want to ask him for boobie. Like yeah, that. that was just my personal, like, again, and each their own. That just was my choice. I didn't, I just, it made me feel a bit like I, I wasn't up for that. Um, so I just sort of thought it was probably going to happen sooner or later. And then, yeah, one night she just didn't, she just didn't want it. And then I said to my husband, oh, that could have been it. And then the next, and then it turns out it was, and you, and it was. I never had that last moment where I took a selfie of our last feed together <laughs> and all this. And not, um, but yeah, and then I, I went into work the next day, and I had a meeting with oh, a really lovely colleague, really really lovely colleague, and I felt confident enough to say to her, "I'm not feeling very good today. Um, I stopped breastfeeding Edie last night, and I burst into tears." And she just, I mean. She was lovely. She was really, really, really nice. And um, that really helped. Yeah. I mean, I'm not suggesting, you know, <laughs> that I would have made that comment to, like, a male manager or something like that. But you know what? Like, each their own. Like, if you, yeah, you could, if you feel like, you know, if you're still... It's radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's really interesting. What, um, why, did you feel like, was it a happy tear or a sadness? Like, did you... It was... An Im- it was- it's hormones it was just it was the end of my baby being my baby and I mean it wasn't she'll be my baby you know for yeah. her entire life I always say to her you're always my baby and she is and but it, it's just it's just a little chapter that ends and I was really emotional about it and now here I am Thora is 18 months this month and we're still going and how do you um, feel knowing how you felt after it finishing with Edie? Do you feel more prepared or do, are you dreading the end? Not dreading it, but I don't have any plans to have any more babies. So I do feel quite bad about, you know, this is this is probably it. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, three years of my life that I've given to feeding babies. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> so, yeah. I remember actually hearing Reese Witherspoon say she couldn't believe the emotions that came after she'd stopped breastfeeding. After, did you get over that pretty quickly that you weren't doing it anymore? Or did you actually... I did, actually. No, I did. I did get over it, actually, um, quite quickly. And it was quite nice to wear a normal bra and, you know, not have to kind of think about access um, and things like that. And But but to be honest, you know, here, here I am with Thora and it's, she still has just one feed a day at that time. It's only five minutes. Um, and, yeah, I think it's probably... <sighs> You've, I think you get to the stage where you kind of think, am I doing this for me or does she really want this? And at the moment, she's still up. Um, so we'll see. But I'd say it's it's it stays a number. That is really sad. And I will definitely cry. But, but that's it's, normal it's, and nice that you don't hide that as well because it's, you know, it's nice to share all of it. It's nice to share. It was nice that you shared it with someone from work as well because I bet you instantly felt better. I did. And I think the thing with these babies is, and I think this is the most important thing to take from it, is that we get so obsessed with, before we have them, we get so obsessed with the birth that we maybe don't prepare for the bit where the baby is actually here. And we get so obsessed with the babies and, you know, how many months old they are and this and that. But having now got a four-year-old, it honestly only gets better and better and better. You know, watching them turn into little people, the babies are great but the little people are incredible and that's what gets you through it I think yeah and and that's really lovely actually because that's something my sister said is that it's hard with a baby because it is a thankless task at times and 
you are riddled with guilt for maybe feeling that because you can't really express it, especially when you are in an NCT group and you feel like you're comparing yourself and nobody wants to say, oh, well, this is bloody awful, really. But actually, what's lovely is to think, you know, this isn't just a baby. They're going to be a human and a person and take that pressure off yourself by just just keeping them alive. And if it is sitting in bloody pants watching crappy Netflix but that's your time, then I think what's really lovely is that you said that was when you really enjoyed it. I did. I was happiest and I was just cuddling. Aw. Well, we're going to end on that. That's so lovely. And also because you get up at like some ghastly hour still in the morning. So I'm incredibly grateful I've kept you up past 8pm because I know that's our bedtime. Um, yes. But yeah, I've, well, I've always thought this, but I just think you're amazing and uh, thank you so much for being so honest. And Oh, it's my um, pleasure. Yeah, and you know, um, if you want to hear Aileen, she will be on the Kiss Breakfast News at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, sounding like she's had eight hours. Um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you.